What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. The three amigos are back again. Me, uh, Austin, and Connor. What's up? Howdy. And we had a weekend. Yeah, uh, you can tell by the voices. <laughs> yeah, the boys took a trip to New Orleans and uh, went to Saints Titans Week One, but we caught up on all the other games, so we don't we didn't miss anything. Uh, we're here to talk about it, recap Week One. I wish also, we missed the Cowboys game. Yeah, yeah true. The Cowboys game was like the one game we saw in full, and uh, it was the worst game of the day. <laughs> but. So uh, we're going to recap week one, talk about anything that caught our eye, uh, and then uh, kind of look forward to week two a little bit. And also, of course, hit the tricky 50. Uh, so starting out, is there any games that you guys want to talk about uh, initially that, that kind of caught your eye this weekend or, or surprised you by the outcome or you thought a team looked better than you were expecting, things like that? Yeah, I would just like to start by saying that the Browns own Joe Burrow and that our defense is absolutely fantastic, and we are going to make a deep playoff run this year. Good analysis. I like that. Um, yeah, no, uh, Cincinnati looks really bad. Cleveland looked really good. Well, Cleveland's defense looked really good. Deshaun Watson um, had a couple of throws that look like maybe he's lefty, but throwing the ball righty. Yeah. It was <laughs> um, bad. Other than those, the offense was running at a, a, a pretty good pace. I mean, Nick Chubb's going to Nick Chubb 106 yards on the ground. Just a quiet 100-yard game from Chubb. I really thought it was interesting uh, how Elijah Moore was used, which is something that I was a little bit on board with Elijah Moore this season. I, you know, going to going to be in the slot a lot for them and soak up a good bit of targets, but he paced the team and targets him and Amari Cooper both had uh, seven targets. And then uh, Njoku only had three and Donovan Peoples Jones only had two. So uh, at least through week one, obviously Amari Cooper is, you know, the alpha, the go-to guy, but Elijah Moore looked like somebody that Deshaun Watson, who was uh, looking for uh, early and often. I kind of thought that that's how they would use him. And I liked that they had him carry the ball a few times too. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to show off my uh, superb ability to segue here in a little bit. But, Billy, do you have any any notes on this game? Uh, you guys have basically hit on it all. Um, who, who is it? T. Higgins had zero uh, catches. Don't worry, uh, fans of – or owners of T. in the fantasy football. He had plenty of targets and plenty of air yards. He's going to be just fine. Yeah. Jim Schwartz coming in as our DC, I think. He was dialing up massive rushes. Our front seven looks really good, which surprised me. Our, our The back end of our defense, they covered really well. Um, so I, I was really impressed with our defense because I thought we were good. I didn't think we were, you know, as good as we showed this weekend. So seeing that uh, really made me happy personally. Yeah, even with the weather conditions, they definitely outperformed what I thought they were going to be able to do. So, Elijah Moore, to me, is a guy who I was hoping Sky Moore would be a lot like this season, at least in terms of his usage, but it was not. Uh, we haven't talked about the Thursday night game because we recorded last week 
before the Thursday night game. And um, it was it was not good for Kansas City. They did not look good. Patrick Mahomes had a, a pretty pretty rough pick, and they couldn't really get it going on the ground with Mahomes being their leading rusher. And their leading receiver was Marquez Valdez-Scantling with two receptions for 48 yards. Um, I mean, just an all-around bad showing. Sky Moore needs to get the ball. Uh, he had zero catches. They tried to target him a few times, but um, one of them, he caught it. The ball was punched out. A really nice play by the DB on that one. Uh, there was an overthrow on uh, what was uh, – he was pretty much wide open, and Mahomes just straight up overthrew him. Um, and then obviously the Kadarius Tony, uh, absolute disaster class, <laughs> master class, <laughs> yeah. all time bad game from a wide receiver right there. They they all I think all the receivers aside from Valdez Scanley I guess, but he's really just a deep threat. They all didn't no nobody looked good on the offense except for Patrick Mahomes. You know, the Chiefs are gonna feel it this year. I think. You know, finally. Losing, you know, some reliable targets like Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyreek Hill, obviously. The injury to Kelsey, we'll see how long. I mean, I think he should play this next week. But they're really feeling it, I think, for the first time since Tyreek left. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back. Now, it is totally possible for them to have some guys step up. Uh, The aforementioned Moore and Tony, I think both will – progress um it's hard to be as bad as Kadarius Tony was last week Sky Moore I think Will is still a very young player only in in his second season he's still looking to kind of catch his footing and Travis Kelsey coming back should open up the offense some uh the interesting discussion I think is this bid for who's going to be um like their kind of possession receiver there's two guys, uh, Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, who both kind of fit that profile. And Rasheed Rice actually ended up scoring a touchdown, had three receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown, and was on the field a good bit. So if he, I mean, if he can just kind of put up an average of that stat line as their like wide receiver, or you know, as their fourth target behind you know Kelsey, obviously as their one, MVS is there. Uh, deep threat and then more as their slot guy and then Tony as their kind of um, do it all like gadget guy then I mean if Rice and or Justin Ross can can plug in as a nice you know three catches four catches every week then I think that'll that'll be a successful um, bid by them um, anyone you want to talk? I guess we should talk about the Montgomery Gibbs split. Um, Montgomery got twenty-one. Excuse me. Montgomery got twenty-one uh, rushing attempts to Gibbs's seven, and Montgomery looked good. Seventy-four yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, he's gonna get carried. This is not Jam- Jameer Gibbs' backfield. It is David Montgomery's, and I think as the season progresses, you're gonna see that split even out to you know, maybe 60, 40 or even 50, 50, but uh, Montgomery's a good running back guys. Like I, I feel like people, I feel like people forgot that Montgomery is a very capable running back, especially behind this fantastic offensive line in Detroit. 
Well, and I think the problem was he had such a horrible offensive line last year with the Bears that it was impossible for him to not be getting hit a yard deep right at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was getting no momentum before first contact. And, you know, with the split, I think that they had even said something about, I think DC had said something about Jameer Gibbs, you know, kind of being eased into it, not one to overwork him in, you know, his first weeks, which is fine, as especially when you've got someone like David Montgomery where you don't have to rely on him so heavily. Uh, I think that you're right, it's going to be, you know, 60-40 or 50-50. And I think that 60-40 could even flip-flop by the game, depending on what they need. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be more of their dynamic pass-catching running back, and David Montgomery is going to be there between the tackles. We need to get three yards right here, go and bruise them. So I think it's going to be very situational. I think by the end of the year, it'll be a lot closer to a 50-50 overall split. Yeah, I do think it will be a little situational to start off. Uh, But Gibbs, man, he looked really explosive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He looked explosive as can be. Um, but yeah, David Montgomery's no slouch as a running back. He's, you know, he's a starting caliber running back in the NFL. So having these guys as a one-two punch, uh, it's really going to depend on the week, I think. Uh, kind of matchup based and things like that. Teams that are good at, you know, have good cover linebackers, good cover slot corners, things like that. You know, that can take away the threat of a passing game from Jameer Gibbs. Uh, maybe it's a more pound the ball between the tackles type of game for them with David Montgomery. I uh, do think where we're going to see the difference, like we saw last year with Swift and Jamal Williams, is you know goal line situations. I think Montgomery is going to be the main guy they go to just because of you know the stature that he has compared to Jameer Gibbs. But Gibbs will get his fair share of touches in the red zone as well. So I think this is a backfield that you can rely on basically as one of the guys in your flex or your RB2 week in, week out, uh, just because they're going to run the ball a lot and they're going to do it well. Yeah, it's a great one-two punch. And speaking of one-two punches, God, I'm good at this. The Atlanta Atlanta Falcons uh, beat the Carolina Panthers 24-10 on the back of what I would consider to be the best one-two punch in the entire NFL. You saw... Tyler Algier uh, start actually at running back over Brian uh, Bijan Robinson and uh, Algier had 15 attempts for 75 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, it's everything that Atlanta imagined just being able to pound the ball down the other team's throat. And you're going to see some absolutely massive rushing total every week from the Atlanta Falcons and what you're not going to see a massive total of is passing yards because Desmond Ritter had a passer rating of 111.8, but only threw for 115 yards on 15 of 18. And he did have a passing touchdown to Bijan Robinson. So, I mean, Arthur Smith showed his hand week one. Yeah. Okay. If, if Arthur Smith, I understand they have, one of, if not the best, one-two punches at running back, along with a really good O-line, along with a long, young quarterback that doesn't have a ton of experience in the league. But if Arthur Smith just doesn't, you know, design any plays for Kyle Pitts or, you know, try to get Drake London the ball, I mean, he should be thrown in jail. <laughs> Those are two of the most exciting, potentially, I guess, 
potentially exciting young players we have in the league. They have a ton of draft capital in them, and they're just not being used. It just kills me, like, watching Drake London and Kyle Pitts just out there exercising, running around. Kyle Pitts did have a sick catch this weekend. He did. Um, which just shows, you know, give him a shot downfield every now and then. Well, same with Drake London. But, yeah, other than that, Algier looked great. I mean, he was showed that he was the truth last year in his rookie year, and we all knew Bijan was going to be special. So to see this is, you know, not a huge surprise to me, especially week one. You know, you want to kind of figure out how you're going to manage these two in the backfield together and make it work. And I think Arthur Smith kind of experimented with, you know, kind of Algier leading the role this week. And maybe next week we see Bijan, you know, getting the start or, you know, getting the majority of the touches. Uh, so it'll be kind of like a just – experimental thing at first i think with with the two backs but they're definitely gonna get run all year long uh the, talk about a team that's gonna run the ball i mentioned it with the detroit lions but atlanta falcons are gonna run the damn ball there's only so many touches that can go around and right. algier and robinson are combined are going to combine from from somewhere between 25 and 30 every single week and that only leaves you know a combined 10 targets 10 touches between London and Pitts, you know, when you consider everybody else in that offense who also has to, you know, at least receive some looks, they need to do whatever they can to win. And if what, what Arthur Smith sees as the winning formula right now is just B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier, which I respect them for uh, sticking to that plan. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to how much do you trust Desmond Ritter? Another game I want to talk about that happened this week was the Jags and Colts. Uh, so we saw, you know, Trevor Lawrence, one of the more exciting quarterbacks in the league right now. He had a good day, uh, 24-32, 241 yards, two touchdowns, did have a pick. Uh, but Calvin Ridley looked good with eight catches for 101 yards. Trevor Etienne looked good, uh, 18 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. We saw Tank Bigsby get some action. He also had a touchdown. Wasn't very efficient with his touches, just seven for 13. But, I mean, hey, he scored. Uh, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram all got involved. And then on the other side, Anthony Richardson, uh, who I think had a – if you're a Colts fan, I think you're excited about what you saw out of Richardson week one because – the misses were there, right? He has a tendency to miss high. You know, some of the indecisiveness was there. But overall, 24 of 37, you can't be terribly mad at that. 323 yards, two touchdowns, one on the ground, one through the air. Also led the team in rushing with 40 yards. So I don't think you can be too real, too upset. He did throw a pick late that kind of cost them. But I don't think you can be real upset about what you saw out of Anthony Richardson as a Colts fan. Um, especially when you start looking at, you know, what guys like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young ended up doing in their debuts. Um, you know, the the experience will come. He's the third youngest quarterback to start in the NFL ever. He's only played, I think, 16 football games past high school in his career. So the experience will come, but I think what you see out of Richardson week one, you have something to build off of. What do you guys think? Yeah, that was a, a great, you know, coming out performance, debut performance for him. And even that interception, like, it looks bad to us looking at it through the lenses of the NFL. 
But when I was watching it, that's a pass that you can kind of get away with in college a lot of times. I mean, the I can't remember if it was a DB or linebacker that was up a few yards in front of the receiver that he was targeting. But, I mean, he just went up and jumped it, and he's just a lot more athletic than the guys that Anthony Richardson is used to playing against. So, I mean, that's just kind of getting used to the pace of the game and getting more adjusted to it. And you got to think, you know, Jonathan Taylor's out. Uh, Evan Hole, I think, got hurt pretty early on in the game. And the other two guys that they had carrying the ball didn't get anything going. So all the focus and attention had to be on AR-15 because they, they couldn't get anything else moving. So, I mean, I, I think that the way that he handled that situation and the way he went out, I mean, he did, like you said, have some good touches as well. So they've got a lot to build on and a lot to be very happy with. I think that he can be the guy that they thought he was going to be when they drafted him. Yeah, um, I, I really like what you said about um, Richardson's pick. I, I mean, it was one of those plays to me that's just like, hey, welcome to the NFL, buddy. Uh, nobody's making that play, or not many people are making that play in college. It's just everybody is so much bigger, faster, stronger that that ball is getting picked off. Uh, it really wasn't a bad read. Uh, it was not the best. And, you know, unless you put it perfectly, there was a chance it was getting picked. So a learning moment, I think. And then talking about Trevor's interception, uh, I believe that was a that was a tipped ball, was it not? Like I'm it pretty was. sure it, it was yeah. a tipped ball. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember we watched um, when we got back from the Titans game, we went through and, and watched all the uh, game from that 12 o'clock slate and Trevor Lawrence oh my god that dude is going to be a top three MVP candidate this year he looks yeah. like everything he promised coming out of Clemson and Calvin Ridley is going to be the beneficiary <laughs> Calvin Ridley yeah. had eight for over 100 and uh, one or two touchdowns I was going to say, you know, I heard, you know, the rumblings of, you know, Trevor Lawrence, MVP, you know, in the offseason. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like there's still, you know, a few guys ahead of them. Lamar, Josh Allen, Mahomes, obviously. You got Herbert up there, Burrow. Like, the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. But he went out there. He's making a case for himself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He looked incredible. He looked really good. All All the balls he was throwing were like, Right where they needed to be, um, with pace. We watched that one mm-hmm. clip of the one step drop out route. Yeah, that we saw. Oh yeah, that was beautiful. Um, he's he moves in the pocket well. He can get away from pressure, throw on the run. He he can do it all. So uh, and that dime he dropped to Zay Jones in the end zone mm-hmm. on the oh, dime yeah, that was beautiful. catch that Zay absolutely Jones beautiful. Put it in a guy. Put it in a place where only his guy could get it, and yeah. That's what they teach you. So he went yeah. out there and did it. He looks he looks yeah. really good. In fantasy, I'm buying all the shares of the Jags offense that I can get right now. Because if he can keep up, you know, 80% of how he looked on Sunday, I think that that's easily going to be a top five team offensively. Yeah. And they just – everything was firing on all cylinders. And like you said, Austin, the, the pick on his part was a tip ball. And I think the – other was there a fumble that he had too, or am I thinking of someone else? I don't recall one, but maybe. 
So, or is no, the pick was the one that uh, Tank Bigsby just dropped after, yeah, not realizing it wasn't like, incomplete. That's what it was. And that was, the I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it just like small little miscues here and there. But other than that, I mean, that offense was firing great. And Calvin Ridley looked like he had missed a day of football. All right. So, um, let's talk about the game we were at. It was a fun one. Uh, 15 to 16 final score. The Saints come out on top. Who that? Uh, Ryan Tannehill is uh, washed up. Derek Carr is Derek Carr. On his uh, way to being washed up. Yeah. Like he's on the precipice of washed up. He's like out in the shallow water. He hasn't quite, <laughs> uh, you know, washed ashore yet. Um, but the main thing, main takeaway I had from the, the Saints side of the football is. Uh, one, Chris Olave, that dude. Two, their run game and their all O line just in as a whole not that good. Jamal Williams, eighteen carries for only forty five yards. Um, just didn't really look explosive at all. When Kamara comes back, it could really uh transform this offense into being a really good offense if Kamara comes back and is able to do. Alvin Kamara like things from the past. If he kind of continues his trend of last year and is just kind of average, then I'm a little bit worried about the Saints. Yeah, the offensive line is really worrisome. I didn't think that the Titans defense was going to be all that great, especially not their, you know, front seven. But they were getting a lot of penetration. I don't think Jamal made it past the line of scrimmage without getting hit on a single one of his carries. So you've got to put a lot into that whenever you talk about his efficiency. But, yeah, Ryan Tannehill just looked absolutely awful, had several receivers that were wide open and could have had easily a multi-touchdown game out of Tannehill. But he was just missing them bad. And, you know, that's kind of what we've started to get used to from Tannehill and the Titans – Derrick Henry didn't really seem like he could get it going. Tajay Spears did look good when he got the ball. But, you know, if that offense, if it can't run through Derrick Henry, it's not going to be effective. And that's really all there is to say to it. And Saints have a good defense, which is going to keep them competitive. But I don't think it's going to be good unless Derek Carr can look like he did, you know, two, three years ago even. I saw Derrick Henry come off the field a lot, which surprised me. Um, and then to speak back to the Saints, you know, you got your left tackle getting smoked all game by Arden Key. Arden Key is of all people. Yeah. A guy that was he a first, I think he was a first rounder with Jacksonville. Yeah, out of LSU, right? Yeah, out of LSU. Went to Jacksonville. Didn't really work out there. He goes to Tennessee and all of a sudden he looked like an all pro. Ed Rusher coming off the end, just smoking Trevor Penning left, right. He, I mean, inside moves, just speed around the corner. Trevor Penning just couldn't get to the spot fast enough. I mean, it was like <laughs> I looked. I think I looked at Chase during the game, and I was just like, "Dude, Arden Key is just like having him." Or I texted. I texted my buddy Patty, who was at the game. I was like, "Arden Key is having himself a game," and. Uh, it looked it looked pretty rough. Jamal Williams has never been the most explosive guy. Uh, nobody's ever, you know, claimed he was. 
But with the holes that he was given, I mean, he's not going to be efficient in that offense running the ball. So they're going to have to, you know, really rely on Derek Carr in the passing game. I thought all three options really looked good. I thought Michael Thomas bounced back and had a good, pretty good day out there receiver. Rashid Shahid uh, was open a lot. So um, they got some weapons. Juwan Johnson's a good tight end as well. So they're going to have to rely on Derek Carr in the passing game and lean on that defense, I think, for most of the season for this to be a successful season for them. Well, we don't have time to talk about every single game, unfortunately. But I, I think the game that out of the, the last ones left that I really want to talk about is the Chargers Dolphins game. Yes. Uh Tyree Kill is might be the Tyree Tyree Kill is not the best receiver in football, but he's the most dominant receiver in football because Tyreek Hill is not better than Justin Jefferson. But, and there are times where I would want Tyreek Hill instead of Justin Jefferson, simply because of the unique skill set that can absolutely dominate a game. 11 for 215 and two touchdowns. That's incredible. Yeah, it's just yeah, just has what you can't teach, and that's just pure, unhuman-like speed. I mean, you can be the best corner in the league, and you'll still get burnt by Tyreek Hill just because he'll put one move on you. I remember I heard Marlon Humphrey talking about it. Sometimes his double moves are so fast that they're not good enough to make the corner bite because they don't have enough time to fully react and, and switch directions and go get him. But, like, he's just so fast, man. It's just such a mismatch. And Tua being able to find him consistently is the biggest key of it all, you know. And, you know, Mike McDaniel just trusting it, you know. You just got to say, sometimes we don't need, you know, the biggest mismatch. We just have the fastest guy on the field, and he'll just run by everybody and just call the throw to Tyreek play. You know, yeah. just effing Tyreek's down there somewhere. I mean, that yeah, that, that meme yeah. originated with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Right. Like he that's that's the source. So yeah. it it stands true to this day. And then by the way, if you do manage to cover Tyreek Hill, uh you've it's got Jalen Waddle <laughs> to deal with, who is only a half step behind Tyreek Hill, like and on the speed meter. He had four receptions for 78 yards. It, this team's this team's going to be a problem. I, right now, they're the best team in the AFC East. The Bills didn't look that good. Josh Allen, well, I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but Tua looks nice. I mean, obviously, they're not going to throw 45 attempts per, a game. The, the game script of this one just being a shootout allowed for it, but I mean, I think he's going to throw 35 times a game. I think it'd be stupid not to have them throw 35 times a game the way they looked this weekend. Especially with that running back room. Because yeah, Raheem Mostert yeah. is yeah. just went down too. Yeah. So what Raheem's down, Jeff Wilson Jr. is down. Uh A Chain. We didn't think, really see wasn't he a healthy scratch? Yeah, he, he didn't play. And then who was the other one that they had that was healthy for this one? Uh Salvan Ahmed. Yeah. So I mean you you know where your weapons are. You know 
what you're doing. You know that you've got to cover Judy or Waddle and Tyreek. And most people aren't going to be able to. You're only going to be able to cover one of those two. And even then, how often are you going to be able to cover even one of them? And it's it's absurd what they can do. And if Tua can keep the accuracy that he has right now up, I don't know how many games they actually lose. I was worried about Tua coming into this season, just with all the the injuries and the missed time. And worried about the offensive line, but he looked co- so comfortable in the pocket. Looks like it didn't affect him at all. Uh, still took a couple hits. I mean, got right back up, still unfazed. So, I mean, if this team can keep it up, I, I don't see them losing a whole lot. Uh, I do want to talk about the Chargers a little bit. I think that their offense is also looking really good. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams came out, and they both had big days. Uh, just got overshadowed because of how well the Dolphins did. Yeah, Justin Herbert was held under 250 yards in a game that you would think would be, you know, airing it out a lot just by the pace of the game and, and kind of how it went in the second half. 228 yards and a touchdown. You know, I mean, Herbert looked good. Herbert looked good. He did. Yeah. I mean, you want more out of your quarterback, I guess. Yeah. You want more out of that passing offense. Uh but then also he, again didn't touch the ball a whole lot in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he he had some kind of injury, right? It was like a leg. Yeah, I believe that he came out for a few drives there in yeah. the fourth. And did he, he like rolled his ankle or something? Yeah, that's why point. Josh Kelly got so many touches late. Right, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think normally you're going to see Eckler, you know, get twenty to Kelly's ten. But I mean, if they're rushing the ball thirty times a game, that's what we just talked about the Falcons doing. Right. Yeah, that's that's not what the Chargers should be doing. But, I mean, Eckler is a top running back in the game, and, and Kelly historically hasn't been that good, but looked good this year for this this game, this one game. It's Guys, it's it's week one of the NFL. We're overreacting. Every single take we have is an overreaction. That's just, <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast. But I kind of want to move into that Monday night game since we alluded to Josh Allen. And – We'll get to the, the Jets side of things here in a little bit, but he did not look comfortable in the pocket at all throughout the entire thing. I mean, three three picks and a fumble is not what you want from your franchise quarterback in week one. I know that the Jets have a great defense, and I do have them being you know one of the top defenses in the league this year, but Josh Allen has got to do better. I mean, he's had these same struggles – you know, year in and year out, he had that three-year stretch where they kind of went away. And now that Dable left and went to New York, the Giants, I mean, he really hadn't been the same quarterback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about the F it Tyree kill down there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen was saying F it Jordan Whitehead down there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three yeah. picks by Jordan Whitehead. Which... Got that man paid too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I mean, this is not what you want to see out of Josh Allen. He is a really good quarterback when he's able to control his – I mean, he's got the urge to just launch it, and he really needs to figure out a way how to check that. And if Brian Dable was the only one who was able to get him to kind of – I don't know if it's an ego thing or whatever it is, but Brian Dable is the only one to get him to check that at the door and say, no, here we take dump-offs if we have to. Yeah. Um. And then 
James Cook, you know, as a dump off back is fantastic. James Cook looked pretty solid in this game. Obviously, Stefan Diggs is one of the better receivers in the game. He had 102 yards and a touchdown. I think D- Gabe Davis has a little bit of that, you know, post hype sleeper where everybody was so big on him last year and he underperformed. I think he's a little underrated this year. And then obviously the the rookie Dalton Kincaid looked good. Four catches for 26 yards in his NFL debut. Having a, a lot of those reps come out of the slot, I think he's going to be a, a big part of this offense. Um, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll see him, uh, you know, be the number two receiving threat on that team potentially. Tried to tell you guys this offseason that James Cook was going to be a good player for the Bills this year. And I guess not Damian Harris might be more involved. Damian Harris, Damian Harris, what, do you have a carry? One carry for three yards, two catches for 16 yards. See, I think the thing is that Damian Harris is going to be used more in the red zone and in, you know, short yardage situations and kind of take a lot of the touchdown work there. I don't know. That's kind of where my thoughts are with him. Yeah, I don't know how much that's going to play out, but I think Josh Allen just wants everybody to know he can throw the ball a long way. Uh, yes. that's what, it's just what he was doing. He was just John, he he and Joe Flacco are the two masters of the arm punt. Yeah, I've never baby. seen <laughs> never seen anyone arm punt it quite as well as those two guys. They have really mastered that technique. Yeah, maybe uh, McDermott was just like, "Hey, we're just gonna put on third down here, Josh." <laughs> but now to go to the other side of the ball, hey. Team that everybody had, you know, super high expectations for. You sign Aaron Rodgers to a, a crazy big deal at, you know, 41 years old, and you get him for four plays. Moment of silence for Garrett Wilson, owners and fantasy God. football. Yeah. Dude, I just feel bad. Like, it sucks that Aaron Rodgers is out. It's like, yeah, dude. And to, only have, play, to yeah. only have five snaps – yeah. Four if you don't count the Achilles. Well, did you see that there's a prop on, I think, FanDuel for Aaron Rodgers over half a yard? Oh, no, I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Everybody finally, like, you have a five-leg parlay, and that's like your last leg going into Monday night. You're like, oh, let's go. Yeah. But it just sucks that Aaron Rodgers goes down that way. But shout-out to Zach Wilson and the Jets and Bob Sala for – Staying in that game and shout out to Josh Allen for keeping him in that game. And then uh Xavier Gibson. Man, Rookie. what a story. How yeah, that was cool. Ended. And how about the attempt by the punter? Absolutely absolute business. What attempt? <laughs> that was a business move. He I mean, was playing two hand touch. Xavier Gibson is not a big guy though. <laughs> so well, yeah, I saw the thing. It was like anybody who says they can tackle Derrick Henry. Watch this video of an NFL punter when he sees Xavier like <laughs> coming at him. Like, imagine a dude twice your size. You're you're not gonna deal with that. It's just not happening. No. Uh, Zach Wilson actually, I think, did a pretty good job with this offense. Um, 140 yards and a touchdown with Brees Hall. You know, running for 127 on the ground and and Dalvin Cook for another 35. I think. I think he did everything he needed to to win that game. And I I don't think they have to go out and sign a veteran. I don't know. There's a, there's a list of 
free agent quarterbacks right now that they could sign. And I think they do need to sign someone obviously to be a backup, but I, I don't necessarily think they need to start whoever they sign. Um, I mean, the best free agent available right now, I would have to, it's tough, but uh, I think Carson Wentz is probably the guy. Yeah. Are you talking about that sports center list that came out? Because um, if you are, I've, I've got it pulled up. I, I don't know the list. I mean, if you just have a list of free agent we quarterbacks. Backup quarterbacks and Carson Wentz the other day. So. Yeah, we, we yeah. did. We talked I about mean, that. We talked about the Billy and I rode back from New Orleans together. And for some reason on the road trip back, we got to talking about backup quarterbacks. And we talked about how Zach Wilson right now is probably like one of the best backup quarterbacks right now and how Carson Wentz is the best or like should be on a team because he's better than a lot of backup quarterbacks. And that was on Monday before the football game. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the list that sports center put out, it's 10 quarterbacks that they could go out and sign. And it's Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, uh, Ben DiNucci, Colin Kaepernick, Joe Flacco, Bryce Perkins, Trevor Simeon, and Colt McCoy. How much money do you think they'd have to offer Tom Brady? See, doesn't Tom Brady, like, own part of the Raiders? He does. He does. That'd be a flex, too. (laughs) I don't don't think it would be allowed for him to play. No one's brought this up because everybody's talked about it and Photoshopped Tom Brady. Not a single time have I seen anyone mention how Tom Brady is minority owner of the Raiders. And I don't think it would be legal for him to play any for any other team besides the Raiders if he has ownership. I think that that would be correct. I have I, no basis for that assumption, but it, it is my assumption. I can't imagine. But I, it would it would seem very unethical. It would seem like yes, it would seem like a conflict of interest. Yeah. Now, could he sell the team, sell his ownership, and then do it? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't see him doing that. I don't either. Now, I think best case scenario, and this is what Billy and I were talking <laughs> about, it is Jameis Winston right now, I think, is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Y'all are and both think, forgetting about someone that I would like to throw out, and I think that's Jacoby Brissett. I mean, we saw it last year in Cleveland. He he played excellent for those first 11 games. Yeah, we talked uh, about not sure too. I'm not sure where he's at, but I think that he could be a very great option. He's in Washington. He's in Washington. Gotcha. I don't know if they get rid of him because behind that, you know, you got Sam Howell, then you got Jacoby, but then who else? Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. So I don't think you get rid of Jacoby there in case Sam Howell goes down or just looks terrible, you know. Another guy that is kind of interesting now that the Cowboys have Trey Lance behind deck, Cooper Rush, who yeah. is ahead of Trey Lance, granted, but if they can get something out of him, because at this point, you know, there's no trade value for Cooper Rush unless the team absolutely wants him. There's no trade value really for Trey Lance now that he's been moved. Uh, so why why not? You know, if the offer comes along, why not jump on it? Yeah. So I don't hate but, that. 
I don't either. Anyways, do you guys want to overreact to some things? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I want to go through. I've got three things. I don't know how many you guys have, but three, yeah, three statements, I guess, that I'll make, and then uh, ask you guys if I'm overreacting or underreacting. Uh, so the first one that I want to start out with. The Packers are the team to beat in the NFC North. Now, I know the Lions beat the defending world champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, but I think that was more of a product of the Chiefs looking really bad than the Lions looking great. Uh, Jordan Love went out and threw 245 yards and three touchdowns. The defense had a pick, a fumble recovery, a touchdown, and four sacks. Minnesota lost to... Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they don't have a great defense. Kirk Cousins didn't look great. Are the Packers the team to beat in the NFC North? I think they are. I agree. So not an overreaction. I don't think that's I I don't think so. The way that they look just in every facet of the game and how well Jordan Love played. I could see them being a very good team, especially once they get Christian Watson back. All right, what do you guys want to drop yours? Yeah, I'll go ahead and go with mine. And uh, that is Baker Mayfield is the GOAT. <laughs> um, no. Uh, the, Not no reaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bucks went out and, and beat Minnesota, as Billy just mentioned, and Baker Mayfield looked pretty good. Word has come out that he knew the plays that the Vikings were running. Like he picked up their calls and knew exactly what coverage was and and knew all their audibles on defense and everything like that. If that's the case, I mean, good for him. Uh, I feel really bad uh, as a Vikings fan that he was able to learn that and that better change. But I don't know if that, was what caused his success or if that's um, if his success was unrelated or if that is, is true at all, it could not be true. And like he might've like had like one call that he knew and, and it helped him. But I, I do think the bucks are going to be um, a little better than expected. And I think could finish potentially third in this division. Yeah. I mean, I did not expect that. That game actually blew my parlay this weekend. It was the only one that didn't hit my uh, 12 o'clock games. So thanks to your Vikings, Austin. Yes. But no, I mean, they they looked good, and they did everything they needed to do to win. And I mean, I don't know if that says more about the Vikings and their fall back down, you know, regressing to the mean in these one-score games like everyone kind of talked about from last year. Or if, you know, the Buccaneers are just going to be able to compete actually but from what i saw you know in the saints game what i saw you know in carolina from what i saw uh i mean i I think that they could very easily be a contender in that division i agree uh i think the the well the division's wide open yeah so starting out one to know is great there's three teams in the division that are one to know so you just gotta you know they got the bears coming into town this week so Another winnable game, I think. Uh, I think they just got to stay healthy. Me and Austin have talked about this before. I think we've talked about it on the pod. The depth in the secondary is really bad. Yeah. 
So they just got to stay healthy and, uh, you know, they can compete. They got really good weapons offensively. Uh, and, and Baker is an NFL vet at this point. Like he has played the game. He knows what's going on. I think teams still underestimate him. Uh, right now, I don't think he's the best quarterback, but I think teams underestimate him, especially after his stint with Cleveland, how it kind of ended. And then last year, bouncing around a little bit, Carolina, L.A., people are going to underestimate him. And he is the guy that does not like to be underestimated. He'll do everything he can to take advantage of that. Yeah. My first one is that the Baltimore Ravens offense is not going to be what we thought it was with the new offensive coordinator. Uh, They lost J.K. Dobbins yet again for the season. Uh, he just can't stay healthy, which is awful. Uh, looks always explosive when he plays, but you know he was going to be a, a big piece of that offense. And Lamar did not look that great when throwing the ball. Uh, had a good connection with Zay Flowers, but other than that, I they kind of looked a little stagnant. And they were playing against one of the the worst teams in the league right now, in the Texans. And I think that only getting 268 offensive yards as a whole is not really a good look in that matchup. Yeah, Zay Flowers did look elite. Uh, he's going to be a tough guy to bring down, tough guy to tackle. And he's, I think he's going to get open a lot. I think week one, bring Mark Andrews back, or week two, bring Mark Andrews back. Zay Flowers, obviously the ground game is going to take a little bit of a hit with with uh JK out, but I think they'll they'll find their footing. So I would say that's a slight overreaction after week one. I think they will find their footing. Uh Tom Monkin and the offense, they'll they'll start to figure things out. Even though there are some injuries on the offensive line now too. Ronnie Staley went out. I'm not sure how severe his injury is, but that's a big piece on the offensive line. So uh and Linderbaum got hurt, I think too. So I think they'll find their footing, but I think it's a slight overreaction as of right now. So I'll go with that. Yeah, I think it's an overreaction. We got to see what they do against like an actual quality NFL team. All right, my second. The LA Rams are a playoff team. Uh, they beat Seattle 30 to 13, outscored them 23 to nothing in the second half. Stafford without cup threw for 300 yards and had 200 yard receivers. Aaron Donald's still him. I know the defense isn't what it used to be, but the LA Rams are a playoff team. I don't think it's an overreaction um, simply because it was against the Seahawks, what they put up. If it had been against a lesser team, I I would have not had such a knee-jerk reaction, but they looked really good against the team we thought was supposed to be much better. And uh, yeah. Almost, almost on board with that. Yeah, I, I would say it's maybe a slight overreaction. I don't think that the defense stays that strong. Uh, but I mean, you really got to love what you saw from the young guys producing on the offense. Like you said, no Cooper Cup, who's always the main weapon. But they had guys step up that you know, no one really thought would. I mean, everybody thought Van Jefferson was going to be the the main option there and he really didn't look that great and everybody else stepped up around him. So, you know, I, I don't hate it. 
I'd like to see a bit more from him though before I really jump on bandwagon again. All right, so uh, I think the Cowboys are the team to beat in the NFC East. They absolutely boat race the Giants simply because their defense. Their offense looked fine. It looked good on the ground, not so good through the air. But it's it really just comes down to that defense, which is the, the best defense in football. Uh, at least it looked like it uh, after that week. And the Eagles didn't impress me too much. Uh, they played a, against a New England team that we talked about not being very good this year, and they, they only won by five points, square of 25 to 20. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance that we see the Cowboys reign supreme in the NFC East again. I mean, 40 to nothing is a ridiculous NFL score. Uh, and I think that we all were kind of of the opinion that the Giants would be a pretty solid team. And that was going to be a competitive Sunday night game. But at no point did they look like they had any idea what they were doing. Their offensive line may as well have not been there with how far back the Cowboys were every single snap. I mean, I I don't know if Daniel Jones had more than three seconds of the ball in his hand before he had pressure on him. So, I mean, it was just an absolute dominant performance. And if their defense can keep that up, they're absolutely going to be the team to beat. I'll agree with you. Uh, I was a big Eagles guy all offseason. Jalen Hurts didn't look elite. Uh, the offense didn't look great in Philly. And the Cowboys just absolutely dominated. I mean, the edge rushers for the Cowboys realistically didn't even have to do anything to get around the tackles. They just had to run to the edge and dip, dip a shoulder. I mean, they didn't have to do any hand battles or anything like that. They just had to run to the edge, dip a shoulder, and you're at the quarterback. That's all you got to do. Uh, you know, I think once you get into a game where you'll have to throw the ball more, uh, I think we'll see more out of Dak and CD and, and the rest of this offense, uh, Brendan Cooks. Uh, so I think the offense, passing-wise, I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, I mean, after a performance like that, it's hard to say that is not – the best team in the NFC East. Although I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. So my next one is that New England's defense looks as good as, if not better than ever. I mean, we all just kind of mentioned it a little bit, but the Eagles offense did not look good. Uh, And really, if it weren't for the short field, that the Eagles started off with after the Patriots fumbled in their first drive and the pick six, that game could have very easily gone a different way. I mean, they stopped the run game. They, you know, held Jalen Hurts to really not looking good at all in the passing game. And their defense might be able to keep them competitive. I think if Mac Jones had played a little bit better, they honestly should have won that game. So, and I think everybody had the Eagles blowing them out. So it's, you know, puts a, a little bit of a question mark in the air of if they're going to be able to hold on and, you know, stay competitive with teams like the Bills, with the – probably not the Dolphins as much, but, you know, it, it could be a very competitive division still on their end, at least from the defense. I'm going to say overreaction there simply because the the Patriots have a history – of being great at defense. I do think 
that the defense is better than people thought. And I do think it is an above average defense, but to say that it's better than ever or as good as ever, I think is a little bit of an overreaction. Tom Brady played with some incredible defenses back there on the other side of the ball from. So uh, I, I do think you make some good points and I, I am in, I'm buying in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of an overstatement the way you, the way you worded it. Yeah. I'll say a little bit of an overstatement just because the defense in like 2019 was so yeah. dominant. Uh I don't think they have all the pieces to be that dominant, but I still think they'll be, you know, top 10 defense. Uh, I don't think they can keep them in games. I don't know, but I think it's a good defense. I think they'll be, you know, between the 10 and five range week in week out. So uh, I'll say overreaction. All right. Now that was my last one. Billy, do you have another? Uh, have one more. Okay. Yeah, I got one more I'll go with. Uh, last overreaction, underreaction. The Jets can still compete. Obviously, you lose uh, you lose Aaron Rodgers. You still get the win. Granted, Josh Allen, the guy you're playing against, has one of the worst games of his career with three picks and a fumble. Uh, but they have a lot of talent. That defense, you want to talk about a defense that can keep you in a game? This Jets defense is one of the ones that can do that. Uh, they got some weapons on the outside. Al Lazard, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook. I think they have enough talent to still be a competitive team. What do you guys think? I agree because I think that, like you said, the talent on offense is there. If Zach Wilson can become an average quarterback – and just make the plays that he needs to and get the ball in the hands of his weapons, I think that they can do all the work to make this team good. And like you said, that defense is going to be top in the league. I mean, they're going to be able to keep opposing quarterbacks and offenses to to low-scoring games. I think every game that they play is going to be a close one, honestly. And like I said, if Zach Wilson can you know be an average quarterback, they stand a very good chance. They lose both games to Miami this year. They lose the next game they play against the Bills when the Bills are home. And they, but they probably beat New England twice. So I think if they can get into the dance, the run game of the defense plays enough where they could make a sneaky run into it. I think it's just going to be tough in the AFC yeah. with. To bet, I mean, without Aaron Rodgers, even though the, the Jets won, I think you have to say that the Bills are a better team, slightly. The Dolphins are the best team in that division, um, I think, and you can call that my. We can call this my third overreaction if you want, uh, but I don't think it's an overreaction by any stretch of the means to say that the Dolphins are the best team in this division. Um, uh, yeah. So for that reason, gosh, it's tough because if. The defense just plays, man, for the Jets. But I, I'm going to say it's an overreaction. I, I don't think the offense is going to be enough to keep up with the rest of the juggernauts in the AFC. Fair enough. And then my last one is that Brock Purdy is the real deal. 
I mean, we we saw it again. He's had two, at least two touchdowns in every regular season game, and he's played well every time we've seen him. I know that the 49ers have all the weapons in the world, but he still looks good consistently. I mean, he was making good passes to IU. He was, you know, making the, the smart play, running the offense well, and just looks comfortable back there. I think that he could, you know, be the next great 49ers quarterback that they've been looking for. Yeah, I think Bob Purdy is a fine quarterback to have as with a team that has so many weapons. Uh, I think he is an above average quarterback in the NFL. I wouldn't say he's top 10 or anything. Um, I think he's a fine quarterback to have in that system with that defense. Uh, he'll win them games. I don't. I don't even know if it's fair to say he's average. Um, I mean, average would put him in the, you know, call it thirteen to nineteen range. And I think he. I don't think he's a top twenty quarterback in the league. Um, I think he's, you know, probably right around there in the twenty to twenty two range, which is all they need in San Francisco. Um. Like y'all said, the the weapons play, the run game plays, the O-line plays, the defense plays. He can be everything they need and just a little bit more. And I think that little bit more is why they're the best team in the NFC right now. And yeah, I, I he's the real deal in terms of he's going to lead this NFC or this 49ers team to the NFC Championship game. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter, at Odds on Favorite, and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, y'all want to get into the trade fifty? Yeah, let's I do it. I would love um, nothing more. I'll go uh, ahead. I'll go ahead. Yeah, I'll go ahead and recap since I hosted last week. Billy, <laughs> Billy put up a, a big old goose egg in the tricky fifty last week. He had Garrett Wilson for fifteen and a half, just missed on that. Marvin Mims for six and a half. Sam Howell for eighteen point eight, and Van Jefferson for eight point four. So he missed on all of them, but not by that much, really, on any of them. Uh, Connor had a little bit better luck. He got points from Watson, who he bid seventeen point nine four, and and got that one. And Mah- and Raheem Mostert bid eight, got more than that. But Jamal Williams did not reach eleven point seven. Justin Ross did not reach his 2.5, and Javante Williams did not reach his 9.5. So Connor still came out with 25.9. I got my 19.2, and uh, Billy got his goose egg. Yeah. So I do want to say I did go back because I was curious about any goose eggs. And even though Billy won last year, he does lead the league in goose eggs. Uh, this, <laughs> this is war, baby. That's Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is his third. Austin has had one, and I have had zero. So I mean, you know, well, we'll, it doesn't we'll really matter. That. 
We'll yeah. change that for you this week. Yeah, we, we've seen, though, that obviously the goose eggs don't matter. Like I said, Billy had two last year and uh, still beat us by a, a pretty good margin. Yeah, so I'm about to send you guys the list this week. Already? All right, yep. All right, so we got 14 total people, three quarterbacks, four running backs, four receivers, and three tight ends. The quarterbacks are Zach Wilson, Geno Smith, and Baker Mayfield. Running backs, Ken Walker, A.J. Dillon, Tank Bigsby, and DeAndre Swift. Receivers are CeeDee Lamb, Puka Nakua, Rasheed Rice, Jane Reed, Juwan jo- or, and the tight ends are Juwan Johnson, Dalton Schultz, and Adam Troutman. So we will get into it. Austin, since you were the host last week, I will let you go first and uh, pick who you would like to bid on first. Okay. I really want to hear your DeAndre Swift bid. Yeah, so DeAndre Swift, obviously not a good week last week. I think he put up like 0.2 or 0.3. He is projected this week 11.2, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. But I will start his bid lower, pretty low compared to his projection at seven. If anybody is interested in that. Yeah, I'll take him for eight. All right, Austin's in for eight. Connor, did I hear eight? I'll like eight, three. Eight, three. I'll go eight, eight. Eight, eight. Austin's high on DeAndre Swift this week. I'll go nine, one. Nine, one from Connor on DeAndre Swift. Um, nine, four. Okay, nine, you have him. All right, Carter, back to you. I would like to see AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon, after a pretty quiet week last week, he is taking on the Atlanta Falcons. He has projected ten points. I will start him out at eight and a half. I'll do him for nine. Carter's in for nine. I'll go nine three. Back to Connor. I got nine eight. Nine eight taking a big jump. You can have him there. Uh let's go check out the quarterbacks. Um I like to hear. Give me Baker. Baker Mayfield projected 18.6. They're taking on the Chicago Bears. But I'll start him out at a discount of 15. Uh yeah, I'll do it for 15. Austin's in. Connor, you in. 15-5. Okay, back to Austin. I'll go 16. 16. Oh, here's 16. Three. Yes, you do. Give him to me for 16. Eight. 16. Eight, Connor. No, here's 17 at least. No, you don't. I would like to see CD Lamb. CD Lamb has taken on the New York Jets this week. He has projected 13.1. Slow week last week, but they didn't have to do anything. I will start CeeDee Lamb at 12 and a half for you. I will take him at 12 and a half. Yeah, I don't think I can bid on him. I'm going to pass. All right, Connor. Not a whole lot of work there. Adam Troutman. <laughs> okay. Adam Troutman. He is uh, projected 5.2 this week against the Washington Commanders. I'll give you all a softball. Uh, you can have him for three fantasy points. I'll I'll take him for three point three. Okay, Sean Payton likes him. Brought him over from New Orleans. Dolchich is out, isn't he? Yeah. 
I would go for an entire four points. Nice wow. even four. Big bid. Big bid. Four one. Four two. Four two. Four Did three. I hear four five. Four three. Did I hear four five? No, you don't. Austin takes Adam on the trout bid. For 4.3 points. Hunter, back to you. Who would you like to see? I would like to see Geno Smith. Geno Smith. He is projected 21 this week. They are at the Detroit Lions. I'll start him out at 15 points. I'll do 15. Okay, Connor's in on Geno. I'll go 16. 16. Back to you, Connor. 16.5. 16.5 does Austin have it? 16.8. 16.8. 17-flat. 17. Austin, you still in it? I will go 17.5. Carter, what do you got? I'll go 17.8. Okay, you can have him there. Austin, you have 19.5 points left? You have 9.9. All right. Well, it's my choice. And let's go ahead and get the third quarterback out of the air. Uh, out of there. What's Zach Wilson? So they're playing the Dallas Cowboys. He's projected 15.3. I'll give him to you for 13. Anybody interested? Carter, you can't compete. Uh, yeah, I'll take him for 13. I want to see Puka. Puka Nakua. Uh, he is projected 9.7 against the San Francisco 49ers. My bid is at eight. I will do Puka for eight. Puka Nakua for eight. Austin does not have enough to compete. Takes eight. All right, Freezy, back to you. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby is projected 6.1 points. They're taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Duval, starting about at five points. Now I'm going to have to pass. Passes on Tank Bigsby. Carter does not have the points. Back to Carter. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed, they are taking on the Falcons. He's projected seven. Starting bid is five. Ooh, well, okay. Austin, do you want him? Yes, Carter doesn't have the points, so it goes to Austin. Um, no, I'll pass. Pass on Jaden Reed. Back to you, Freed. Dalton Schultz. Taking on the Indianapolis Colts, Dalton Schultz is projected 7.1, but I'm giving it to him at a discount of four points. Yeah, give him to me for 4.2. 4.2 total points, bringing your total to 2.3 remaining. Is there anyone else we're good to? Yeah. There's nobody else that you guys can bid on. The next lowest bid is three. Well, he's already been taken, actually. That's Adam Troutman. Uh, so the other guys on the list that you guys left off, uh, Ken Walker is available for 12 points. Uh, let's see. had Rasheed Rice for four those Juwan are the only John- two that Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson for four also. All right. Not bad. He's right. spending points pretty wisely there. Carter with 1.9 left. He spent 48.1. Austin, you have 2.3 remaining. 
He spent 47.7. Connor got one, two, three, four players. Austin got one, two, three, four, five players, uh, including two quarterbacks. Yeah, and two tight ends. And two tight ends. <laughs> yeah, we're tight end strat worked last year for me. It did. Tight end strat did. I was thinking about that. The nickels and dimes of the tight ends pay yeah. off, I guess. So that'll be the tricky 50 this week. Uh, we will update you guys as always next week. Uh, let you know who scored what, who won the week, and uh, I guess we'll also talk about total standings on the year as well. All right. So that's our week one mainly recap. We didn't really have time to look ahead to week two, but we will recap it next weekend or next week. Uh, so keep it out for that. Follow us on X at Tricky Takes. That's two eyes and tricky. Uh, follow the Box Score Network. We plugged in a few ads throughout the video, so go check out some of the other podcasts that we have. Uh, a lot of good content going up there. Uh, other than that, you guys have anything else you want to talk about on the way out? I think that's it. Good to go. That's it. All right, guys. We'll have a good weekend. Hope your team does good, unless they're playing the Browns. And uh, go football. <laughs>